Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. In this series, Yo el Rey, we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leo Vigil to Felipe VI. This uh, time we're actually going to review someone. I was going to say, I'm looking forward to this. Yes, this <laughs> is going to be our very first ruler, Leo Vigil. I am okay. actually also really looking forward to this. This is going to be super exciting. Before we start talking about him, though, I wanted to start out talking about some of the sources we're going to use. Okay. We have two sources that we are going okay. to be looking at. One of them is Spanish Please. and one of them is French. So the, the first source, you may have heard of one of these, not this one though. The one that you have not heard, the Chronicle of John of Biclaro. Ring any bells? No, it does not. No, it does not. It's not very <laughs> okay. well known. It is a chronicle. It was written in 590 and it covers two kings which okay. is quite, quite short for a chronicle or a history. I was going to say, that's that's not really a chronicle. It's, it's more of a really biography. not much of a chronicle. <laughs> well, John of Biclaro was a pretty interesting guy. He was born in Lusitania, remember from okay. the last episode. I that's do. kind of Portugal, Portugal sure. area. And he was a goth. But he was an Orthodox Catholic. He was not ah, Aryan. I was going to say, that must have made things awkward. <laughs> well, we we know from our last episode that the Goths were Aryan, followers of Aryan. Right, right. Uh, but somehow John turned out to be a Catholic. We're hmm. not really sure how that happened. Oh, he was off his parents, I'm sure. He might have been. Well, he, when he was a young man, he went to study in Constantinople. He spent 15 years studying Oh, uh, okay. So he's a perpetual graduate student. I, I'm going to say it's really, it's really taken super senior to another level there. Mm -hmm. It was yes. from 559 to 576. And then when he was returned to Spain, he was arrested and exiled by our current oh. Leo All right. For being Catholic. Sure, sure. So As you, you do. You'd think that would make the chronicle that he wrote because the chronicle covers Leo Vigild and his successor, Recared. Mm -hmm. You'd think it would make Chronicle extra snarky, but it's actually quite complimentary. Really? Yeah, he has a really positive outlook on Leo the Guild. The thought is that this, John was writing this to be a part of what's known as the Universal Chronicle. So this was a chronicle that people off and on would write throughout the history of Europe from mm -hmm. that, that tried to tell the entire story of history of the world from Adam mm -hmm. and Eve to the present day. Right. Okay. Right. So. so Eusebius wrote one in 325. Jerome mm -hmm. continued it up to 378. Prosper continued it up to 455. And then Victor took it up to 567. So basically we've invented Wikipedia. It is. It's like a Wikipedia. Okay. Everybody gets, yeah. you know, they read to the- contribute there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody reads what has been written. They're like, well, more has happened. So then they write. And right. So this is what John was trying to do. Most of these chronicles, as you could tell from dates, were about how great the Roman Empire was. Well, it doesn't do to bite the hand that's stomping on the back of your neck. Exactly. <laughs> just how the Roman Empire was great. And the ones that were written after the Western Empire fell just wrote about mm. how great the Eastern Empire of Constantinople was. Right. So what John wanted to write was basically like, okay, yeah, you've heard of the Romans. They're great. But do you know how great the Goths are? Okay. Yeah, because I'm going to tell you how great they are. I see. Okay. It gets really interesting because the Goths actually will fight battles against the Byzantine Empire. Remember, the Byzantine Empire had... I was going to say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at the map in my head and I can see how that could happen. Yeah, so, oh. so definite tension here. And, and John is like, no, sure. the Goths are great, so Leo Vigild is great. Okay. So this is why even though Leo Vigild exiled John to Barcelona 10 years... 
Okay. John is writing about how great Leo the Guild is, and he's a uniting hero, and his son is a just right. pious king. So right, right. That's that's kind of the feel we get from him. Also, exiled to Barcelona is not really doesn't sound like much of a punishment these it, days. It doesn't sound bad. It, no, no. It, it's kind of like going to Constantinople and studying for 15 years. Exactly. That would suck. I mean, a great work <laughs> if you can get it. Exactly. The other source, the Frankish source, which you may have heard of, is Gregory of Tours' The History of the Franks. Yes, I have heard of Gregory. Yes. So Gregory was a monk. He was descended from Gallo-Roman, so he was also Catholic. Okay. Uh, he became the Bishop of Tours in 573, so his writings are also contemporary for our current king. Now, he sure. wrote 10 books in this Whoa. history. Way longer than John's. Career. That's a lot. It's yes. a lot. But six of them cover events that he was alive for, and the other ones are like super prehistory. So we're only going to be covering the six of them, right? Gotcha. He was writing a history, not a chronicle. So the chronicle mm -hmm. is basically just this happened in this year, and then this happened right. this year. And right. history is more of a narrative. So it's his descriptions can be super colorful, also sure. possibly super inaccurate. Right, right. So, you know, it's the difference between you read chronicles in the Old Testament and you read kings in the Old Testament. One is just a list of begats and the other is a list of miracles. Yeah, so. yeah. Definitely more interesting when you get the, the historiography in there, which yes. we'll see a lot yes. of. Yes, okay. Also, Gregory, he's a Frank. He wrote the history mm -hmm. of the Franks. He's not a goth and he's pretty biased against them. Ah, all right. He thinks they are, quote, a timorous race. And, oh no and he takes obvious glee in how often they seem to flee the battlefield from the friends <laughs> so i see I so he see. has a lot of fun with that I see. he also has a pretty great opening sentence in the prologue at least in the mm -hmm. translation i have here it is mm -hmm. quote a great many things keep happening some of them good some of them bad ah <laughs> uh, and somewhere <laughs> in the great beyond charles dickens is saying uh oh. Maybe a second draft on that one, dude. I mean, yes, I'm glad things keep happening. Some yes, are good and some are bad. Is, historically accurate. Can't fault your scholarship. You can't say it's wrong. Yep. All right. So those are our two main sources. Uh, okay, gotcha. For this week. So let's start out with the biography. We don't know a lot about Leovigild as a child. Or as okay. Young, which is going to be the case for a lot of these. Rules. Okay. We just don't have any information about them growing up. So most most of what we know is Leovigild as already a grown man. Leovigild is a man with a plan. He has oh, three goals. Three okay. goals. And he means to achieve them all. Mm -hmm. Here's what they are. Goal number one, become king of the Goths. Okay. Goal number two, destroy his enemies with great violence. Okay. Starting to get a very strong Conan vibe off of this guy. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. In goal number three, make sure that his favorite son, Hermenegild, succeeds him on the throne. Wow. Okay. Why isn't there an HBO series about this guy? Oh, well, yeah. And they, they also seem, he dreams big, you know? Sure. It's not okay. like, I'm going to get all my laundry done by the end of the week and maybe remember to pick up some tomato sauce from the store. Now, right. No, 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 no. This is, this is definitely more along the lines of essentially somebody like uh, FDR saying, first, save the entire economy. Mm -hmm. Second, 
build a navy, things like that. And then on the second hundred days. <laughs> now, these goals aren't so far fetched as they might be if like okay. that I were trying to achieve them. <laughs> right. Well, King of the Goths, I mean, if we went back to high school, a couple more Cure albums and I'd have been at least halfway there. Awesome. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. definitely cool enough to be a goth. But yep. Leovigild is a goth. Therefore, okay. he's a member of the nobility. Ah, all right. I didn't mention in the last episode is even though the Goths are in charge in Spain, the Mm -hmm. vast majority of the population is Hispano-Roman. They're people that have been there since the Roman Empire, but they're not. Oh, I'm sure that didn't cause any tension whatsoever. Well, and the Hispano-Romans were also Catholic. Uh, whereas the goths were all Aryan. Right, right. Oh, well, this is a tenable situation. It is. But Leo Vigil is a goth. He's a member of the nobility. And since the Mm -hmm. nobles choose the monarch from among themselves, he's in the pool of people that could conceivably be chosen as king. All right. All right. So he's on the short list. He's on the short list. And then he gets a really lucky break. In Mm. 567, the previous king, Athanagil, dies. Okay. And he dies in any kind of interesting way? No, or... unfortunately, he was just old and, oh, and passed. Yeah, all right, all right. There's no uh, intrigue yet. I see. Okay, all right. But Leovigild's brother, Liuva, is chosen as king. So now he's uh, even closer. He's got a family member. Oh, goody. Yeah. yeah. So Leovigild sees his chance. I was going to say, this is where things get Game of Thronesy. Go ahead. Yes. He approaches, Leovigild approaches Athanagild's widow. This is a woman oh. named Goswintha. Okay. And he asks her, hey, how would you like to be queen again? Ah. And Goswintha is probably down for this as soon as she hears about gold number two with the extreme violence. And she says, right, 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 exactly. So the two of them get married. So now Leo Ah. has married the Dowager Queen. Okay. Any idea how... Knowing what I know about marriage at this time, it is entirely possible that she was roughly a, you know gestating fetus when she was first married so how uh she how actually, old was she she actually is quite old as a matter of is fact leovigild Leo, Leo and goswintha don't have any kids together because ah okay all right okay they actually both already have kids so okay. there's their step their step siblings coming into the mix. okay yeah uh, yeah uh, before he was made king leovigild was married to a woman who gave him two sons hermenegild okay so he's got all two right. sons hermenegild and Recared, and they are adults and Goswintha okay. had two daughters with the previous king, and their names are Brunhilda and Galswintha. We have, we have a very interesting rough draft of the Brady Bunch. I'm just pointing that out. Yes, we do. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to point out that Brunhilda, she, mm-hmm. people, scholars think that she is the inspiration for the Brunhilda of legend and Wagner. So, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. cool. Yep. Her and her sister, La Fredegund, were probably... Right merged into the character of Brunhilda. A lot of, lot of shapely chest plates and horned helmets. I'm horned sure. helmets, okay. I think there were. But both of these <laughs> right. daughters, Brunhilda and Galswintha, they're adults, mm-hmm. and they were both married to Frankish kings. Ah, okay. Brunhilda got married to King Sigebert, and they have at least two daughters and one son together. Okay. Galswintha was married to Sigebert's half-brother, King Chilperic, but then Chilperic's mistress had her killed. Whoa! And... I don't know. Brunhilde just rolls with this. I mean, she hates Fredegund. They're at each other. I would imagine. The entire, yeah. The entirety of their lives. And you should definitely listen to the Fredegund episode on Battle Royale. Okay. Which is all the kings of France. But she gets an episode because she's just so epic. Oh, good. 
So this is this is the Brady Bunch. We have Leo and They've gotten mm-hmm. married. Each of one has two sons. One has two daughters. Yes. And at least one of the daughters, Brunhilda, has three kids that mm. are in line for the Frankish throne. Okay. Right. So tying himself to the Dowager Queen really pays off for Leovigild. Oh yeah. Five sixty eight. Leuva decides to associate Leovigild to the throne with him. Uh huh. Yeah. Leova doesn't have any kids. He's not married, mm. as far as we know. So okay. he thinks, well, you know, my brother has just married the previous queen, and he's pretty great. And if I want to keep this in the family, I'm I'm going to give him a job in my administration. Okay. Leova tasks Leovigild with getting the south of the country under control. He says, you're my main general. Go fix what's going on down in the south. Okay. And Leuva actually spends his entire rule in Septimania, which is that part of Right, that section of, yes, exactly. Yeah. He was worried that the Franks were going to invade. He wanted to make sure that the Franks were under control. So then Leovigild is in charge of basically the rest of the Iberian Peninsula. Mm -hmm. So while Leuva handles the Franks, Leovigild deals with the Byzantine Empire. Now, ah. remember, the Byzantine Empire, or the Eastern Roman Empire based in mm-hmm. Constantinople, had conquered a big chunk of the Mediterranean coast back sure. when Justinian was emperor. Right. And the Visigoths had been trying to get it back ever since. Right. Leovigild has a lot of success against them. He takes Bastetania and Malaga in 570, mm. and he takes okay. a town that's referred to as Sidonia, which is probably Medina Sidonia, also in the south, mm. in mm-hmm. 571. There are also parts of the south of Spain that are in rebellion against the Goths, and Leovigild takes these two. He, he wins Cordoba in 572. He's doing everything he can do to build his king portfolio. Right. And, and it works. In 573, okay. Leova dies, and Leovigild is elected king of the Visigoths. Ah, all right. So goal number first, one. First one, first one is checked off. First goal number one done. Off. Now it's time for goal number two, and it means oh, great boy. violence. Yeah. So according to Gregory of Tours, once Leo <laughs> becomes king, he kills off all possible rivals to himself and his children. Oh, okay. Isidore, here's quote, uh, Isidore states that he beheads or sends into exile, quote, those who excelled in nobility and power. Oh, talk about being punished for success. Um, uh, yeah. Also, if those are my two options, we have a real cake or death scenario here. It's a real cake or death. I will take the exile. Thank you very much. Beheading your exile. Students. And of course, Leo Vigild is most cruel when it comes to Catholics. Of course he is. Gregory mostly blames this on Goswintha, which I don't know if it's accurate or just misogyny. Uh, but Leovigild is known to persecute Catholics and cause them to be, quote, driven into exile, deprived of possessions, weakened by hunger, thrown into prison, beaten with sticks, and tortured to death. Well, again, if we have to choose, yeah, okay, all right. I mean, it, it gets pretty pretty heavy there at the end. I'd, I'd be like, let's, let's yeah, just pop I mean, up just, one. All right, I was going to say, at a certain point, you almost start blaming the Catholics. Like, look, We've done stages one through five. Do you really want to get to the beaten with sticks part? I mean, because no, you know wants, what happens after nobody that. Nobody wants to get to beaten with sticks. Yeah. Leovigild also perpetrates more great violence on the other non-Gothic parts of the Iberian Peninsula. Okay. Because now that he's the king of Spain, that means the north is his problem as well. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Um, gotcha. But right now he's turning his attention to just parts of the Iberian Peninsula that are not part of the Gothic empire right mm-hmm. but this time mm-hmm. in history there are two other kingdoms in the north of spain the suevi okay. which is in galicia so the suevi actually came in back in the three four hundreds they're some of the peoples that the visigoths were put in spain to take care of 
and they okay. never quite finished the job. So these right. people have been holed up in, in Galicia in the upper left of Spain, mm -hmm. uh, the northwest of Spain. By the way, I will just point out that nothing makes the hairs on the back of my neck go up than an ancient leader being pointed to a large piece of land and being told to handle it, settle it, subdue it, or take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> because basically all I can think of is a lot of crucifixions. Yeah. Be a lot of crucifixions. <laughs> well, the Galicians are Catholic at this point as well. Yeah. So there we go. The other big group is the Basques. Oh, okay. They control the center north and northeast of Spain. Right. And according to John of Piclaro, Leo Vigil marches out against these kingdoms every single year and wins battles against them every single year. I mean, what? John's Chronicle is just a list of year campaign, year campaign, year campaign. Successful right. every right. time. It's, I mean, you get the same thing at the Chronicles of England at the time where, well, we beat the Irish again. Well, yeah. if you beat the Irish again, how come there are still Irish? Yeah, and that's, that's going to be fast. I think you're, I, I think you're exaggerating your success. Yes. But suffice it to say, a lot of war, a lot of violence. Okay. Goal number two has been achieved. He is destroying his enemies with extreme violence. I mean, yes, you've got a, you got goal-oriented, goal-achieving. All right, good. So feeling sated from violence somewhat, he turns to mm -hmm. goal number three, which is right. his favoritest son, Hermenegild. Okay. In 579, he secures a marriage alliance with the Franks for Hermenegild. Okay, He That's married good. Hermenegild to the daughter of the Frankish king, Sigebert. This is a girl named... Oh. Yes. Yes, you remember yes. him. I, I do. Him a couple paragraphs ago. Ingundis right. No, I'm, I'm taking notes. Are you kidding? Oh, that's great. <laughs> Brunhilda, Sigiver. Yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> so, you know, Ingundis is of Visigothic heritage. Her mother's Brunhilda. Yes. yes. So, Goswintha and Ingundis are grandma and granddaughter. I see. So, and she, that means her... Hermenegild is Ingundis' step uncle. Yes. So, so that's great. <sighs> This is where we start having people with very long chins, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now they're oh. not they're not blood related. They're just related by marriage, but yeah, but we're getting down to the oh, I cut my finger three days ago and it's still bleeding. Why is that? Well, welcome to the family. <laughs> well, they're also in different generations, so there's an age gap. Okay. I don't know how much because we don't know exactly when Hermenegild was born, but Gregory of Tours reports that Ingundis is about 12 when she's sent to Spain. Okay. Hermenegild's right. probably in his 20s. Okay. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah. So interesting thing about Ingundis and Brunhilde. Mm -hmm. Okay. When Brunhilde goes to France to marry Sigebert, she converts to Roman Catholicism. Ooh. Remember that the Franks are Catholic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Go she ahead. converts upon her marriage, and that means oh. her daughter in Gundis, also Catholic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, As a I matter worry. of fact, when Ingundis is making the journey from Austrasia to Spain, she passes mm -hmm. through Septimania and she meets with a Catholic bishop called Pronomius. Mm -hmm. And Pronomius warns her very harshly against Arianism and makes her right. promise never to convert. All right, pinky swear. No. Uh, Leo Vigild hears of this conversation later, by the way, and uh, mm -hmm. I assume just adds a line to his enemies list. Oh, yes. No, absolutely. Well, somebody doesn't want uh, a head to, mm -hmm. to put that bishop hat on. Yeah. He is on the naughty list. He's on All the naughty right. list. <laughs> now, in Gundis's Catholicism is a huge deal to Goswintha. Of course. When Ingundi shows up in Toledo, Goswintha is really nice to her at first. Mm -hmm. 
And then Egundi's point blank refuses to convert to Arianism and be rebaptized. Ooh. Straight up says no. no. So Goswinta throws Egundi's to the ground, kicks her, then strips her naked and orders her to be thrown in the baptismal pool. Whoa! Yeah, it escalates real quick. I was going to say, somewhere up on high, Jesus is looking down saying, I don't know if this is what I had in mind. I, I didn't plan uh, for this. I feel, like, I feel like somebody's missed a point somewhere. I'm not sure if it's me or... Huh, well, okay. Leovigild is probably planning to do this anyway, but having mm. his wife and his daughter-in-law at violent odds probably hastens his decision to pick a part of Spain to have Hermenegild exercise control over and then just send yes. it down. Yep, 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 yep. Sure. So later on in the year 579, he sends Hermenegild and Ingundis to Seville. Also, funny fact, in 580, he declares that Catholics who want to convert to Arianism don't have to be rebaptized. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, smart. Given what happened... He's like, look, my wife won't stop throwing people into the baptismal font. So, you know, you're good. Yeah, just convert. Yeah. <laughs> no water needed. Exactly. Uh, Leo nice. himself stays at Toledo, which is going to be the capital of the Visigoths and then of Spain for a really long time afterwards. Okay. So then disaster strikes from Leo oh, Miguel's no. point of view. Okay. Ingundis, along with yes. the Catholic Bishop of Seville, a guy named Leander, mm-hmm. Converts yes. for Menegild to Catholicism. No. Yeah, his son. Oh no! His favoriteest son. I was gonna say, damn it, kid! You had one job, and that's just to be ready to t- no. Oh. According oh. to Gregory of Tours, quote: yes. When the Ovigild heard of this, he began to cast about to see how he could destroy his son. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is pretty much his uh, default position. That's his that's his basic setting. But actually, instead of jumping right to great violence, yes, Leovigild and Hermenegild take out attack ads against each other for a few years first. Oh my god! Oh oh, this is great. This is people. Uh, we're gonna start a Facebook thread and just be real passive aggressive about one another. It is so. Hermenegild fires the first shot. Mm-hmm. He's in Seville, and he has an archway constructed somewhere in the city, and he has right. it inscribed. Yes. To commemorate the second year of him ruling there. So this would be the year 580. Sure. Right. The inscription reads, in part, quote, to our Lord Hermenegild, whom his father, King Leovigild, persecutes and hunts in Seville. He's subtweeting. He's, He's subtweeting with architecture. Father. Oh, my God. Leovigild, upon hearing about this, thinks, all right, if it's a religious off you want, let's go. Oh, <laughs> He's up north fighting the Basques in 581, has a lot right. of success, and he mints a coin to celebrate his victories there. Good. And he engraves it thusly, with God <laughs> I entered Rodas. Rodas is a town in the north of Spain. Right. Now, this is, this is interesting because mm-hmm. no Visigoth has ever referred to God on coinage before this point. Oh, okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, goody. So Hermenegild <laughs> says, oh, my father's persecuting me. And Leo begins, yes. says, I am conquering cities with the help of God. Yep. Everyone's going to know. Oh, oh, oh. So then Hermenegild so mints a coin down in Merida. Yes. Oh, no. It's on it. And it says, long life to the king by God. Woo. Oh. Basically, everybody's taking selfies with God and saying, he's my friend. No, screw you. He is my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, dear. In 582, it breaks out into open war. Leovigild starts taking cities in areas that Hermenegild controls, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like the city of Italica. 
Italica is actually a city on the outskirts of Seville. So it's really close right. to where Hermenegildo is staying. It's actually still there today as a historic site. They've got right. really great like tile work floors. You can go and go through a whole complex. It's really an amazing Roman right. city, well-preserved. Anyway, so Leova Guild takes Italica and Mint okay. for the occasion. Oh, God. Quote, with God, I obtained Italica. Uh-huh. So then Hermenegild decides, all right, he allies with the Byzantine emperor Tiberius II. Ooh. He's like, all right, I'm going to need help. No, nope. no. Nope. Guild okay. then goes around Hermenegild's back and bribes mm-hmm. the Byzantine general with 3,000 pieces of gold. Okay. And then he calls up the king of Galicia, a guy named Miro. He says, come on, come help me siege Seville. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The bribe works. The imperial troops don't show up to help Hermenegild, and Miro does. Okay, so yep. basically, this is a season finale of Succession that mm-hmm. we're in now. This is basically we've been planning all season to take down the big guy, and it turns out the entire time behind your back, he was undercutting you and making deals with the same people. The same okay, perfect. Yeah, perfect. All right, Logan Roy is about to put all his children in place. All right. Well, Seville falls, obviously. Yep. And Hermenegild sure. flees. He flees the okay. city. Okay. He seeks sanctuary in a church in Cordova. Leovigild mints a coin that reads, with God I obtained Seville. Yeah. Yes. Guess we know who is his best friend for real now. Yep. At this point, Leovigild suddenly remembers he has a second son. Oh! Oh, not yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Just... So he decides to send Recared into the church to parlay mm-hmm. with Hermenegild. See if his brother can convince him to come out. Yeah. Right. So Recared goes in to talk to Hermenegild. And he's like, you uh-huh. know, just ask for forgiveness. He's our dad. It's, it's okay. going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Remember, he taught you how to ride a bike. It'll be fine. Great. So Hermenegild comes out of the church and Leovigild has him arrested. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just yoink. yoink. But you said, yeah, I know. And you listened. So who's really at fault here? <laughs> so who's the dummy here? <laughs> right. Leovigild then has a coin minted. Of course he does! Want to guess what it says? Oh, something to do with with God. (laughs) No, why bother with that? Oh, it's over. It says, quote, I took Cordoba twice. Oh, oh, just put the boot in and twist. Oh, my (laughs) God. Oh, you gotta respect it. Oh, that's... And I thought my wife's family were passive aggressive, but that's oh, no. just, they, that is delightful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Leovigild has his son, Hermenegild, dressed in rags. Of course. Into exile. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Only one slave was allowed to attend. Whoa! Oh, oh well, I mean, Horror. really, honestly, burning him at the stake would have been kinder. I mean, come on. Well, things then go from bad to worse. Hermenegild Uh-oh. is assassinated while in exile. Ah, do we know by whom? Yes, a guy named Sispert. Okay. John of Piclaro states that Sispert acted on his own and he was later, he later died horribly. Okay. All right. Well, Gregory of Tours flat out states that Leovigild had his son killed. Yeah, I was going to say, it does, shall we say, smell a certain, you know, way. It has a certain stench. Uh, Right. Uh, There's no hard evidence either way, but... For a guy whose goal number two was great violence. I was going to say, his track record is, well, problem, great violence. Problem, great violence. Problem, great violence. Problem. Oh, did it sort itself out all by itself? Oh, no. Well, no, no it didn't. All right. Yeah, no, okay. Better call up my uh, 
My, better look at my Rolodex of assassins. Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> and I know several guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in Gundy's, okay. she flees. Oh, does she? Um, okay. Well, so Hermenegild is arrested and she flees and takes refuge with the Byzantines. All right. I mean, okay. she doesn't really have any place else to go. Sure. And she also has a son. She's got a baby. Okay. So eventually she attempts to get to Constantinople, but she dies on the trip there. Oh, dear. This is a question that I have to ask because I actually don't know the answer to it, which is, are the Byzantines, do the Byzantines consider themselves Catholic yes, at this do. point? Mm -hmm. Okay, just, I'm just checking, because obviously- This is the 570s, Orthodox 580s, and, there has not been right. a schism yet. There's not been, the schism hasn't happened yet. Okay, yeah. just making sure. Right, but yeah, she does not make it to Constantinople. It's uh, unsure whether her son made it or not. There's no more right. record of him. I see, okay. So that line is done. Kaput, all right. At this point, Leo Vigild starts to worry. Oh. Gundis has siblings. Gosh, right? why? I mean. <laughs> Her brother Childebert is king now. Mm -hmm. You know, his father is dead. So Childebert right. is the king. He's in Gundis' his brother, and maybe he's going to be upset, mm -hmm. right? So he sends Childebert some yeah, gifts. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he sends Childebert some gifts. Childebert accepts them. They bury the hatchet. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Good. So it's okay. That's a lot of violence, but have you seen this tea cozy? It is adorable. I just can't stay mad. Right. And at this point, Leo Vigild is forced to create gold number four. Recorded? Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. I have another son. Oh, better, thank God. Oh, I better get good. him on the throne. Yeah. So Recorded is an adult with a child by this point. Okay. He is not officially married, though, and the mother of his son is a commoner. Oh, wow. So this, is, this is like a like a concubine not... situation or uh -huh. a, yeah, they're they're not oh. he's not officially married. We're going to have to do some major retconning to make this OK. Yeah, that'll never do to get named. Kid. No. Mm -mm. So Leo Vigild gets his second son, Recorred, a betrothal to another Frankish princess. Right. This one is the daughter of King Chilperic, Sigurd's brother. Okay, gotcha. This is the same king whose mistress had Brunhilde's sister killed. Remember? Oh, yeah, a little little bit of history there. Yeah, uh -huh. so this daughter is the daughter of Chilperic and that mistress, Fredegund. Okay. But this betrothal doesn't really turn out so well either, right? They make the betrothal. Right. The Frankish princess, her name's Rigunf, gets gets ready. She's on her way to Spain. She's like halfway across France, and then mm -hmm. her father, King Chilperic, dies. Oh. And the, right. retinue, the retinue bringing her to Spain, they hear the news and they don't really know what to do. So they kind of just go home without the princess. Yeah, I was going to say, do we do we keep going? Do we turn around? No, but they, I... they all just leave and they just leave her in the woods. They just go. <laughs> wait, 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 what? They just left <laughs> whoa, her. Whoa, 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 whoa. They all went back to their own homes. Hey, and, I don't know how to tell you this, but we were working on your father's credit card and it doesn't clear anymore. So basically that's it. Fredegund sorry. is furious. Yeah. Furious. Um, you know what? You can hitch a ride. Do, yeah. do what you need to do. We're fine. Yep. Right. So that's two of the three original brothers that were the Frankish kings. We had right. Sigbert, we had Chilperic, and we had Guntram. Right. Sigbert and now Chilperic has died. So Guntram okay. is, is the most senior king at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, yeah, we can't we can't do a marriage right now because my brother just died. So the, the betrothal does not go through. That is annoying. But that's probably not the only reason the marriage didn't go through because 
even though Ingundis's brother is has accepted the gifts and is over the whole mistreatment thing, right? Uncle Guntram is furious. Really, He's really. Why? <laughs> so he raises an army and he captures Septimania on his way to attack Spain. Oh boy. Yeah. So Leo the Guild has to deal with this now. Yeah. Yeah, you do. He sends his newly discovered son, Rekkered, up north <laughs> with oh. an army to meet the Franks. Oh boy. And then he secretly gets in touch with another member of the Frankish royal family, Fredegund. Now oh she's she's very powerful because of course okay. her husband has just died. She's the right. regent for her infant sure. son. Sure. And she's kind of a badass. So, yes, well, she has had several people killed. So. She has. And Leovigild is pretty sure that Guntram can be won over. He thinks Guntram's a soft touch for some reason. Okay, all right. He thinks the real threat is Ingundis' mother, Egging Guntramon. Okay. So he sends a message to Fredegund that says, quote, kill our enemies. Yeah. That is Childebert and his mother, Brunhilde. Right. And, and look, if you want to use extreme violence, look, I don't want to tell you your business, but this is what works for me. Well, Fredegon does want to use extreme violence. She prepares two poison daggers to assassinate. Oh, of course she does, because um, she's seen movies. Unfortunately, the attempt fails. Oh, no. But fortunately, I don't know why I just said, oh, no. I should probably say, oh, good, but I'm going to say, oh, no. Well, uh, Fredegon does not... There's no fallout for her from this. Probably okay. because in 586, Wrecker Red reaches Toulouse, and the okay. Guild is busy looting Frankish ships between France and Galicia. So, uh, right. No, just uh, you got priorities. Priorities. Yep. Unfortunately, that's all the Guild has time to accomplish in this conflict because he dies a natural death in 586. Ah, oh, come on, man. Now, there are some legends that he converted to Catholicism on his deathbed. That's probably false. No. Yeah. Given that he has spent his entire life being vicious on precisely, you know what? Just as a goof on my way out the door. Just in case. Yeah. JK, out of here. JK, JK. Yeah. I'm orthodox now. Yep. No, I, I, I do not think so. So that is the life and rule of Leovigild. Wow. It has three act problems. It has third act problems, but it everything leading up to that, everything leading up to that was awesome. That was that was very impressive. Well, all right. Should we rate him? Yes, I I, I think we should. First category is conquistadores. I I mean I don't. I'm going to give him pretty, pretty decent marks. I, I don't think of him necessarily as somebody who conquered, that is say, new territories, but he seems to keep everybody pretty firmly in line. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, is this is, are we one to 10 or what are we doing on this? It's one, one to 10 each. Uh, but before okay. we put our, our number on it, I, I'm going to mm. just, I'm going to give you a list of battles Leo Vigan fought. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh, good just so you can get a sense of the scope. When he was a general under Liuva, in 570, he beats mm -hmm. the Byzantine Empire and takes Bastetania and Malaga. 571, he takes Sidonia from an unnamed rival. And in 572, he seizes Cordoba. They were in revolt at that time. After he becomes king, here are all the battles he fights and wins. In 573, uh -huh. he beats the Sapi, which are a local tribe. Uh -huh. In 574, he beats the Suevi up in Galicia and seizes the city of Amaya. 
-hmm. In 575, he beats the Suevi again, and he captures a, a local nobleman named Aspidius. In 576, he fights the Suevi again and agrees to mm -hmm. a truce with Miro. In 577, there's a revolt in Orespera, which is near Cordoba, which he calms. In 581, he beats the Basques, founds the city of Victoria, and then mints that coin, saying he did Okay, all right, all right, yes. Now we're getting into the coin stuff. This is mm -hmm. always good. In 583, this is the Siege of Seville, where Miro dies, and the siege lasts until Hermenegild's exile in 584. And this okay. is where he mints the two coins, one for taking another coin, Malaga, yeah, another, yeah, more coins. One for taking uh, Seville. Sure. And then in 585, he beats the Swavy again. Boy, the Swavy are just really yeah, not, not going to stay down. That is Well, uh, the Swavy interludes are really interesting. This is a tribe that, mm -hmm. as I said, has been in the northwest of Spain since the Western Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. But it seems like King Miro and King Leovigild have an understanding, and they're on friendly terms since they made a truce in 576. Okay. Miro comes to the siege of Seville to help Leovigild. Oh, okay. Right? So they they have a relationship where Leovigild could just call him up and be like, hey, mm -hmm. I'm trying to kill my son. Can you help sure. me out? Right. So basically, this is this is a frenemies situation. It is. Okay, cool. No, yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. Uh, Miro right. dies by 584, possibly in okay. the Siege of Seville, it's not clear. And this kind of marks the end of any organized Suevi resistance to the Goths. Mm -hmm. Now, Leovigild does have to fight the Suevi again because Miro's son, Eboric, has been usurped by his stepfather, Andeca. Ah, okay. Leovigild takes this as a just cause to invade Galicia. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, you know, you got to have a cause. Yeah. That's a good one. Keep There's going. a full entry in John's Chronicle about this. Quote, Leovigild devastated Galicia deprived the captured <laughs> king Aldeca of his rule and brought the people, treasure, and territory of the Suevi under his own rule. He made Galicia a province of the Goths. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely impressed. Mm -hmm. Also fought the Byzantine Empire. Okay. A lot of this fighting took place before he was officially king, though. Yeah, okay. But his, his experience in the minors is still, you know, part mm -hmm. of the record, though. Right. I think we have to give him credit for and that. And his battles against the Franks are not as impressive. As a matter of fact, John of Biclaro barely mentions them, probably mm -hmm. because they're mm -hmm. not that great, and he didn't want to include much of it. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So this is where we're at for his how well he has conquered regions. Well, I want to say that we can we can look at this category in one of two ways. Because obviously looking ahead, we are going to see people who conquer entire continents. Right. Um, I don't want to jump ahead and give right. them a 10. But but at the same time, the way we could look at it is if I have an army of five million and I conquer a hundred thousand people versus I have an army of five people and I conquer a thousand people. The second one's way more impressive. It sounds to me like he's done a lot with he what has. he has. And a lot of the Iberian Peninsula that wasn't under Gothic control. Now right. Is. Now is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go fairly high on this one. I mean okay. I may I, we may have to dial it back, but I'm inclined to give him either a seven or an eight. I, I was um, actually thinking a six, so I was thinking okay. above five as well. All right, I would go, I would go with seven for me, just just because I'm very I, I just I am very impressed, and and because I don't know what's coming up. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so that's a seven from Peter and a six yeah. from Sarah. That is thirteen yes. for conquistadores. Great yes. art. 
Our next category is no me digas. Okay. Right. So it's hard to pick this out because John doesn't want to share anything that could tarnish Leovigild's reputation. Right. Right. There's. We can't escape the fact that Leovigild has a reputation for cruelty. Yes. Yeah, the, Just. The... Oh no. I mean, and and but see, what's up? What's delightful to me is that he is obviously an incredibly cruel person, but so much of that is emotional rather than just physical like yeah i'm going to torture you but first first i'm going to make you look stupid well remember a lot of it is also physical i'm going to pull this quote oh, oh, up yes. about what he did to catholics Quote: oh yeah driven into exile right possessions yes my hunger thrown mm -hmm. into prison beaten with sticks and tortured to death and tortured to death. I don't know why beaten with sticks is so funny to me. But beaten with sticks is, yeah, just uh, the difference between beaten to, with sticks and tortured to death is really about three strokes. Well, I, I, mean, I, I feel like they just picked up the sticks from the side of the road and just started stabbing right. Catholics over the head. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Isidore also claims that Leo Vigil confiscates church revenues, he exiles bishops, and he bribes Catholics to convert to Arianism with golden property. Well, the, the bishops are sort of asking for it i mean you know oh just... you remember that bishop that warned in gundy's not yes yes that's heresy pronomia yes. he tries yeah. to have pronomias killed as well of course he does there yeah. we go yep mm -hmm. there it is and he also just kind of seems a bit shady in general you know he gets one of his sons to go in after another son who is claiming sanctuary and right right with the promise of safety and yes. then he arrests and exiles. And then, yes, no, it's 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 the Homer Simpson march. It takes two to lie, one to lie and one to listen. And uh, yeah, what's missing is debauchery. We're not seeing right. any, pro he seems to be a very straight-laced person in many respects mm -hmm. where there's, there's not a lot of sense of, I'm going to go full Roman mad emperor. He, it, it, I, I will say that there seems to be a purpose to all of his viciousness, that it is targeted. You know right. what I mean? He's not crazy. It's not like you're going to tell somebody, oh my God, that crazy king is just right. killing people for no reason. He right. has a reason. It might not yeah. be a good reason, but he's got one. No, he's got one. Yeah. Less so, but I, I I just think the coins is so wonderful. The coins because is so wonderful. The, the rest <laughs> of his life, not that it would be very long, the son goes into a bar. Can I get an a beer yeah so here's your change damn it god damn it god. dad <laughs> thanks dad yeah no that is pretty good so what do you um, think for a score again I, this is I, out of I, 10 I, for each of us right i'm i'm gonna think more of a a, a five on this okay. one maybe a four or a five yeah i was thinking a four or a five so you yeah give I, five and i'll give four okay that's that's what we'll do then and okay, that will so. be a nine all right overall good for no idea yes the next category is orthodoxia. Yes. I mean, he was a heretic. I mean, he was a heretic. He was a heretic. He was a very consistent heretic. To be fair, his orthodoxy was incredible. Put it this way. He would give himself a 10 he because would. he was very consistent and except but, for the, yeah, go ahead. But the orthodox position in Christianity right now is the right. Catholic one. No, no, he's he's straight yeah. up. Yes, no, he's he's straight up. Yeah, and I absolutely. think we can discount Gregory of Tours is the one who says that Leo Vigil converts to Catholicism on his death. Yeah. I don't believe that at all. No, no, I hell no. Absolutely not. No. Isidore states that Leo Vigil had correct Eurex laws. This was a, a 
oh, law yeah. code for the Goths. This correction is that he has allowed Visigoths and Hispano-Romans to get married. Oh, is, is the okay. main correction. But All right. he doesn't really do anything to resolve the issue of what religion any children's oh. marriages will follow. So right. it probably causes a lot more trouble than it solves. Mm, mm, right. Yeah. He also engages in a little bit of trickery. He had a habit of going to well-known Catholic shrines and mm-hmm. praying there to try sure. to trick Catholics into converting to Arianism. <laughs> oh, nice. He's not he's not super orthodox and he's willing to be hypocritical. I, I'd to get love others. to know but, how that works. Like he's praying Arian style and all the Catholics around him are, hey, that sounds awesome. What are you doing? Like, well, well, let me tell you, you. let me tell you about the Trinity. Yeah, I don't think he was very Orthodox at all. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not inclined to give him very high marks for this one. Even when religion was important to him, it was mostly a reason to have people exiled and killed. Yes. Yeah. So I get the sense that he was very politically religious as opposed to religiously religious. Right. I you know? agree with that as well. So I'm, I'm not going to go higher than I think a two. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll match um, that. So Peter's a two, Sarah's a two. Mm-hmm. That is four for orthodoxy. Okay. Our final section is called El Resto. This is where we get to look right. at some pictures. Oh, goody. Yep, and coins. Okay. Although, unfortunately, I did not get any of the oh, coins. Oh no! I didn't get I any of the coins. I wanted to see the coins. I know. Are you kidding? I do have coins, but they all just say Leovigild. Sorry. Oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> uh, yeah, I go ahead. Know. There's a series of statues. This is modern day that have been placed around Madrid, mostly around the Royal Palace and in the Parque de Retiro, mm-hmm. that are of Spanish monarchs. I think they were all done in the 18th century, so they're not anywhere mm-hmm. near accurate. Okay. But I thought we'd start with that to get an idea of the image of our king. Sure. Right? Sounds great. So Leovigild's statue is in the Plaza de Oriente, which is the Royal Palace Sculpture Garden. Okay. This is Leovigild. Oh, whoa. Alrighty. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. He he actually does, as, as soon as I see him, I'm like, he's very tidy. Given, he's very tidy. He's very tidy, given, given the story that we have just heard, given the extreme violence. He doesn't look like an extreme violence guy. No, he, he does looks, not look looks like slender, but not necessarily right. fit. He looks like he speaks in blank verse. He's got, and, he's got a beard, a curly beard. Yes, yes. Uh, but he's but clean, not like clean a shaven beard. up top. Yeah, he looks very tight. He definitely looks late Roman. He looks sort of like what, what he should. But, and what exactly is he, is that just a scepter that he is holding? I think it's the laws. Ah, used. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- with due respect, my dude, you are not presenting yourself as your biography would support. I okay. want at least a severed head. Or maybe just holding up a coin. I would like to see that. Well, there's also a series of paintings in the Prado mm. Museum in Madrid depicting yes. all the Spanish monarchs. These were done in the 19th century. Mm. Oh, okay. That's a lot a closer to what I better. was thinking. A little better. He's got a little better. Cross garters. So he is basically fashionable. Yes. Um, but his face kind of looks concerned. Concerned, but at least he doesn't look serene. Which, no, he given his serene. history, he should not look serene. The, the statue looks serene. His yeah. helmet has a point on the top, and that's kind right. of like he could have Yes, yes. It looks like he stuck his head on a pole, but he is holding a weapon, which, yeah. again, appropriate. I like it. And he has armor um, on. He has a, and he has armor plate. and the shield behind him. So, yeah, that's a lot closer to, to what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I'm going to show you two coins. It's the front okay. and back. 
They're okay. contemporary, but they're like mm -hmm. about as good as coins from the late 500s are. Here is the front. Oh, God. Uh... <laughs> you can see why the sculptor thought he had curly hair. Yes, clearly he must. Oh, boy, that yeah. is. Uh... And you can see on the left, you could say L-E-O-V-I-G-I-L-D-U-S. Yes. Wow, that is some real second grade arts class I mean, uh, level eyes. work. He's got eyes. He's and got hair. a nose. They're in the right places, but yeah, not... Here's the... Um, the hair doesn't appear to be attached to the head, so let's start with that being a problem. I mean, That's a problem. if he was bald and wore a wig, I would say nicely done. Body kind of looks like a bunch of bones lied right that's together? that's the other thing there is there is sort of a day of the dead vibe coming off of all of this definitely looks like something that you would put in a slot machine in halloween town in the nightmare before christmas it is right. it is not not an attractive piece of coinage well uh, here's, here's another one that's better that is, that is way better. better that is way better it's and a side sort of, view it's yes, it's a side view, but it's properly menacing. Coins exist to reinforce authority. I'm scared of that coin a I'm little bit. I'm scared of so, the hair coming off the back. Of yes, the hair coming off of it is pretty bad. No, that looks like sort of the cursed coin from Pirates of the Caribbean, that kind yeah. of thing. So that's no, that's a good, that's a good scary coin. I like that one. I like these, that. These are the depictions of Leo the Guild that have right. survived. We know that for the rest of things that we look at in El Resto. He has two right. kids. One yes. survived him. Right. What he, happened to the other one? I forgot. Um, no, I accident. No, I didn't. He was accidentally, you know, ch chopping onions as you do. As While you you're do. in exile. While you're while in exile, because he had to do it himself because he only had the one slave and the only one the slave, one. not really great at it. And then there was this very sharp wire that he likes to wear around his neck and mm -hmm. the knife caught on the sharp wire and anyway long story short uh no decapitated and stabbed 37 times and but look these things happen these things you know? happen when it's, you chop yeah, this, this is page six stuff it's not even leo Vigil was the sole ruler of spain for 14 years okay. and four months that's not bad if we want to count the time when he was a general under Liuva, that would be 18 years total. Yeah, again, given the time period, that's, that's really pretty good. good. So yeah, absolutely. 568 to 586. He is the first king in Spain to wear a crown and sit on a throne. Interesting. All right. Yeah. No, I, I approve. He's not a, I mean, he's a trendsetter. Okay. He didn't come up with it, but he basically said, no, guys, this is good. And we're going to do this. He had a pretty boring death, but yeah, yeah, um, that completely fake deathbed conversion adds a little spice, maybe? A little, a little bit. Yeah. But he should have died by extreme violence. I mean, that's really where that, that would have been narratively satisfying. Yes. And you kind of get the sense that that's how he would have preferred it too. I think really. so. So yeah, that's what that's what he's left us. That that's mm -hmm. El Resto. What, what okay. do you want to give him out of ten for those? Um, hmm. this is tough. Clearly, if we look at the chronicles, there's a lot of desire to retcon the guy. If we look at the statue mm -hmm. where he's very smooth and noble looking. Clean, uh, very if, clean. Yeah, very clean, very clean. That to me suggests that there's a lot more good stuff that we're just never going to learn. Because yeah. you don't clean up the image of a, this guy if there isn't, put it this way, this is the stuff they didn't expunge. Imagine right. what they, oh, what they got well, out. he ruled for 18 years. I gotta get eight. 
his son succeeds him. The and next his one son we're gonna, succeeds him. The next one so, we get is Recorette. So that's the not thing is, common for this. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think we got to score this guy fairly well, especially because if you, if you, if we look at his three goals, goal number one, done. Goal number two, very done. Goal number three, as long as you say, put his favorite son on the throne after him, he did that. <laughs> okay, but if your favorite son dies while in exile that you ordered... You can't just say the next one is the favorite. But then once he's dead, he's no longer your favorite. I guess not. By default, by default. Fair. Okay, fair. Technically, I'd give him a a five or a six on this one, I think. I was also Um, thinking a six. Yeah, yeah. I will will go with six. I'll definitely go with six. All right. That's a six from Peter and Mm -hmm. a six from Sarah. So that's Mm -hmm. 12. 12. So his total score... Let me take mm-hmm. a look here. So 36. 36. 36. We have our first score. 36. Not a bad, not a bad score to start off with. Not a bad one to start off. Which makes sense. Because if you figure there's gonna be all of these different kings of Spain, it's kind of like it's kind of like Dr. No. You know, Dr. No was a great movie because of all the James Bond movies that came after it. If Dr. No hadn't been good, they wouldn't have made any of the others. So, yeah. so he had to he had to be good. Well, we have uh, one more decision to make. We yes. have to decide, fuero or fuera. Does this guy get to sign the charter? Does he get to write yo el rey? Or do we tell him to get out? Oh, I, I think he signs the charter. I think he, he met his goals. And I worry that if we tell him to get out, he will use extreme violence uh, against us. I agree. Us. I, 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 believe, I, yeah. I do not think we should tell this man fuera. That's a yeah, bad no. idea. <laughs> Yep. And I think exactly. he, should get, he should, you're right. He's, he is exactly. the king. He is the king. Absolutely. So, great. Well, that right. was Leo Vigild. Before we end, I'm going to do a little section called recommendations. Yes. This, this is an idea that I shamelessly stole from the Seneca podcast. Mm-hmm. And it is at the end of the podcast, we're going to give you a recommendation. Doesn't have to be about Spanish history or history at all, or Spanish, it, just anything we're into. Good, because I couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> <laughs> just anything we're into lately that, that we right. would recommend to our mm-hmm. listeners. Yes. And I will go first. I'm going to recommend the Seneca podcast. The Seneca nice. podcast is a podcast about current affairs in China. It's in English. Mm-hmm. I, I think they release one every two weeks. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. 100% certain. It's it's really great. They, they cover a wide variety of topics. It's all extremely accessible so if you know yeah. nothing about china it's still Which a great way to kind of get your feet wet excellent so that's my All recommendation right. what is your i like that very my recommendation is i have been reading and thoroughly enjoying mel brooks's autobiography which he just published called all about me you recommended that to me a, yeah a little yeah bit ago. I'm, so I'm, gonna, I'm glad I'm, you started reading yeah it. I'm going to, yeah, it is, it is just absolutely delightful. If like me, you have memorized the entire opus of Mel Brooks, it is, it is just, he, he has absolutely total recall of every line that was ever written and where it came from and why it's better than the line that they originally came up with. And it is absolutely amazing to hear about his his youth, particularly his service in World War II, where he was a he worked, he was a hurt locker guy. He, he worked <laughs> in he was a he was the guy who that that deactivated munitions. Yeah. And you understand why when he came back to America. He spent the rest of his life being absolutely fearless. 
Yeah. Because there was no more capacity to be afraid. He yeah, was, what he are was they going to do? So, I've already done the scariest thing. Yeah, exactly. So, hey, you can't hit on Anne Bancroft. <laughs> yeah, I can. Because you know why? I'm not scared of anything. And they're <laughs> married for 50 years. So, yeah, it is wonderfully funny. It is wonderfully just enjoyable. It is, it is absolute comfort food. I thoroughly recommend All About Me by Mel Brooks. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Spanish Arpada. You can send us an email at SpanishArpada at gmail.com. And we will see you next week when we talk about Leovigild's new favorite son, Rekka Red. Oh, goody. All right. Bye. See you next week. Bye.